Have you been thinking about starting a podcast but aren't sure where to start? I have to tell you about Anchor. It's a free creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Not only that, but with literally one click, they distribute your podcast to platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more so you can reach more listeners. They make it so easy. It was a no-brainer for us. Try it out. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. This is the More Than Work podcast, where we talk all about how to gain more satisfaction in your job. It's possible to enjoy your life and your work because business is personal. And now, today's story. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us again this week. This week's podcast is a continuation of our conversation with Sean Askinosi. If you haven't listened to part one, go back and listen to it now. It's titled Meaningful Work. I think you'll still get a lot from part two if you decide not to go back and listen to part one, but I think you'll get more if you do go listen to the whole conversation from start to finish. Enjoy, and we'll be back next week with more conversations, tips, and topics from our team on the More Than Work podcast. So what I didn't say in part of the story is it not only created space, but there were a few times, not many, but a handful where I would leave the front doors of mercy, walk out to my car, and I felt as if I was floating a few feet above the pavement on my way to the car. And um, the word that I used to describe that is joy. And the joy was so massive leaving the hospital after those experiences that it was like, it was as if I was levitating off the ground. I'm sure I wasn't. I mean, I didn't ever look, maybe, yeah. I, I don't know, maybe I was, but probably not, <laughs> but, 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 but um, it didn't matter if my body was not levitating because my soul was. And so I talk about this in the book and I love Khalil Gibran who says that our greatest joy is our sorrow unmasked. And so what you, what you said is, I, I love how you put that about creating the opposite of those moments, you know, with people at the hospital, you know, this moment and this moment and this moment that was the opposite of my moment. Um, and the result of that is the unmasking of my greatest sorrow, which gave me paradoxically my greatest joy mm -hmm. to this day, the greatest joy that I've ever felt. This, by the way, this is not, this is accessible to any of your listeners, any single one person who is listening to this, who has had their heart broken for whatever reason, can experience the joy that is born of a broken heart in a similar way to what I've described and by the way, it doesn't have to lead to a new job or a new career, or new anything. It can just be how awesome is it to experience this kind of joy? Yeah, yeah, I, I love that. And, and, and Sean, you have so much energy and ability to create things and truly an entrepreneurial spirit. Uh, you know, I, I did want to mention that you did, you were able to spin and it's, it's almost, I don't want to say it's a side note in your story, but it's, you, you started a whole nonprofit 
to help the use of the world <laughs> uh, that, that's around there. You, you want to talk a little bit about that? Lost and Found Grief Center is a, a place that I co-founded with Dr. Karen Scott about 21 years ago. And it was, a, it was in the midst of this struggle that we were described, you know, that we were talking about. And um, <clears throat> so what we did is we, Karen and I um, retained the people from the Dougie Center in Portland, Oregon to come to Springfield and teach us and other volunteers how a support group system could work where kids, teenagers, young people heal each other in a group setting. Um, and so we paid them to come teach us. They were the premier grief center at the time. Still, uh, they still are. And um, so from that moment, you know, <clears throat> we started doing groups. We started in my law office at Walnut and National, and then we bought our building. And now we're, we have our own beautiful building near Glenstone and Sunshine. And, and uh, we have served people in a 22 county area all over Southwest Missouri, all for free, thousands of kids and families who've experienced the death of a parent or sibling. And um, Karen recently retired and we just, um, after a national search hired her replacement and uh, we're super excited about that. And uh, Karen and I are both still on the board of directors and both very involved. And I'm still very involved and was a teen group facilitator for 10 years. And then when COVID happened, I had to stop doing that. And hopefully I'll get to pick it back up again. But um, yes, and we even started a group a few years ago um, called Journeys for families who have a loved one who is in the midst of a life-threatening illness. Um, and we have piloted these programs and worked with families who are really struggling, really suffering through that kind of pain. What's neat is if you don't know your story, you would think that was the punchline to the story, but that's not where you really went. I mean, you, I, I, yeah. I don't want to minimize that at all. Yeah, that's no. not really where you went. Mm -hmm. you, you did those things, which is amazing. And you created that and that those things have helped lots and lots and lots of people. Uh, but then you, you pivoted and you went towards this, you talked about, you know, the grilling, the baking, the chocolate and the direction. And I want to talk a little bit more about your company here next. Mm -hmm. So now we're here with Sean Askinosi and he's talking about, uh, he shared his journey about how he was working as an attorney, uh, felt great joy from that job until he didn't and started to feel the stress from that, figured out he had to do something else and how he went through a process that took five years to figure out what he wanted to do next. And, and he walked us through that process but now what it walked him into ended up being Askinosi Chocolate, um, which is a very weird company, Sean. I mean, I, we work with a lot of different organizations and we see these. Uh, there's a lot of things that are very, very weird about your company. If I said weird now, what, talk about how you purchase your cocoa beans. Let's, let's just start with that. Talk about how you buy cocoa beans. You go on Amazon and just purchase them, right? You just get to buy them yeah. online. Yeah. That's right. Amazon.com, not Amazon the place. <laughs> I go to Amazon the place. Um, and <clears throat> so the thing is, we talk a lot about meaningful work and calling or vocation. But I also think that <clears throat> if you have a calling to 
um, sell cars or a calling to sell insurance or a calling to repair cars or whatever it may be. I also believe that there are, as Mother Teresa says, a, a, a calling within a calling. Uh, and she wrote about that a lot. Um, and so what that means for me, for example, is the calling was, vocation was chocolate, making chocolate. But the vocations within the vocation are really twofold. And the first one is, as you say, how we buy cocoa beans, and that's from farmers. And I started this in 2005 in my first trip to the Amazon. And then in 2006, I bought my first container of cocoa beans. And I'm still buying from that same farmer, literally sent him a profit share yesterday via wire that I've been buying beans from all this time. And except for the um, COVID year, I've traveled there every year. So the next trip I take will be my 46th origin trip to meet with farmers and to look at the cocoa beans, to um, talk with them about their crop, see how things are going, um, and bring our financials with us, translated into their language. So when I'm in Tanzania, the financials are in Swahili, and then we bring them a profit share and give them cash on top of what we've already paid them directly. We help the farmers become exporters so they can eliminate middlemen and women who siphon off profits from them. We help them open bank accounts. Um, working with farmers is a, is a vocation within a vocation. It stems from the fact that my grandparents were farmers here in Southwest Missouri. And they had a, a small farm in Lawrence County where I live now. Um, they had cows and a little bit of crops, but big garden. They lived there for over 65 years, married for over 65 years, same church for all that time. They were not highly educated. They were people who lived a simpler life. They worked very hard, milking the cows in the morning and the evening, garden. And I spent a lot of time there um, on their farm. Mm -hmm. And especially as a teenager, I was a little jerk about it. I didn't want to bale hay. I didn't want to hoe the garden. I did not want to break ice in the ponds for the cows. Yeah. But, you know, they, now that they're gone, um, they're my heroes. They're my true heroes. And I want to be like them. I want my heart to be like theirs. And so whatever, 15 years ago, when I started this thing, I knew I wanted to have a relationship with farmers because of my grandparents. So when I'm with these farmers in wherever, Tanzania, Philippines, Ecuador, Amazon, buying cocoa beans, I'm with my grandparents. And I'm also honoring them. I'm honoring my grandparents. And interestingly, this year of COVID, I worried, you know, well, what about me not being able to go look at the cocoa beans? We've received the best beans in the past year that we've ever received without me looking at them. And it's because all the years of relationship that has been built up had a consequence. And the consequence was they cared about us. They, they cared about bringing us a good product. Yeah. And they and knew been, what was happening. 
Yeah. And there's been times where you've rejected beans, right? You've gone out and looked at it and said, hey, we're not doing this right. We need to be yeah. doing something different. And then you worked right. with the farmers to how to, on how to correct it, right? Right, exactly. So, so it's, and, not, it's yeah. not a cursory inspection of you just going out and looking at them like they no. show on TV where the owner comes no, no, up, no. shows up briefly and just smells no. them like they don't know what they're doing and says, yep, these right. are you. Oh, you, no, I mean, no, you're, no. you're really days. knowing the farming practices. Yes, yes. Well, not I do as best I can, not like them. The farmers are the experts, but but there are instances where it might not meet our quality specifications, and we have to figure out what we're going to do, you know, to to meet the quality spec. But I have to say, you know, that is really very uncommon, especially now after time, um, and 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 we have community development projects in some of these places like Tanzania, just one, you know, in January of last year. So 14 months ago, we opened a preschool. It's called a Chekachea in Swahili in the village where we buy these beans. The farmers wanted to have early childhood education. They didn't have it. It was one of the nine points in their vision of their 10 year vision of greatness that we helped them facilitate. We did, we did pay for the building, the construction of the school through a donor um, to our chocolate university foundation um, and this one donor, husband and wife out on the East Coast, um, paid for the school, but the farmers run it and they have been running it. And um, it's not easy. Um, and, and it's a partnership between us and them um, to make this school what they call a wondrous Chekachea. You know, it needs to be a model for other preschools in the region. And so it's, you know, there's a hundred kids, little kids at this school right now. And this is a, a direct result of the work that we do in the village and community development. There's all kinds of other, we have after school programs for girls called Empowered Girls, one for boys called Enlightened Boys. Um, we have Chocolate University where we take local high school students to Tanzania every other year. We have nutrition programs. Um, but this idea of students and Chocolate University is the second vocation within the vocation. So we've been working with students, you know, elementary school, middle school and high school students since the beginning of the company, uh, starting at Boyd Elementary right near the factory on Commercial Street. And, you know, we did that, I think it was like the first month of the business saying, hey, look, at that time, the homeless problem on Commercial Street was enormous. Now it's diffused, you know, through various places in the community. But there were a lot of kids at the Missouri Hotel then, 85 kids a night. And so we, we, we wanted to engage those kids and we wanted to inspire them. This is what we still, we want to inspire the kids that there's a world beyond Springfield, Missouri and that small business can be a force for good in the world. Yeah. That's what we want to do. That's what we're trying to do. And people come to me at trade shows or conferences and they say things like, golly, you know, I want to do a program like that in my company. And, you know, as soon as we get a little bigger, I'm going to do that. You know, we just need to get a little bigger. I need a few more employees before I start something like this. And I tell people, look, you do not need to wait. Do not wait. We're only 17 people. That is it. We are a for-profit company. We are profitable, not hugely little bit, but you don't need one employee. You can do it by yourself. It's not hard. Yeah, really. I think I heard you speak about this a few years ago. And I loved how you said, you know, a lot of companies are in the mindset of you have to write checks. 
You know, yes. you join rotary clubs and you write checks. That's the kinds of things you do. Not knocking rotary at all, uh, right. but you know, that, that, that's the mindset of this. But, and, and I like how you said, I think you said something to the effect of like, I could, we could as a team take a Friday off and go paint a community center someplace, but we don't have any particular skill or passion or anything around painting. Like mm -hmm. we're gonna, we're gonna be painting. We're probably gonna slow down the people that are working around us. So how can we do what we're already, how can we use what we're already good at mm -hmm. and where we already are? So for your case, I mean, you dropped several quick examples there. I mean, on if you're not from Springfield, Missouri, by the way, when you opened up on Commercial Street, that might've been the last street that you would wanna open up in, in Springfield. It was, a, mm -hmm. it was a very rundown. It was literally the place where police drop homeless people off right? Mm -hmm. They literally take right. them to commercial street and they would drop them off there. Now, if you went and visited that, by the way, it's a big, it's a great area, the great restaurants along that. And your, your yes. business was a part of that, of being an anchor yes. along with several others that helped to create that transformation, in that neighborhood, but it's looking for those opportunities to take what you've already done. Uh, you know, and I, I think of it as a corporate vocation program. In fact, just to, just to share, I think I've shared this with you before, after hearing you speak, I brought that back to people centric and we talked to our team and said, where are we that we can make a difference? What do we see? And we implemented what we call our corporate vocation program, where anybody on our team that has a passion about something that wants to run and do some kind of either, a lot of it's pro bono services for existing nonprofits. Can we do strategic planning? Those types of things. Uh, if, as long as we have capacity to do it, we'll do it. And yep. I went back and counted uh, about a year and a half ago. So there's been a lot more since then. And we had provided pro bono services to over 50 nonprofits in our area uh, for strategic planning, coaching, development, culture development, mm -hmm. and those types of things. And I know, you know, Bethany's leading a project right now internally to try to engage employers who hire second chance employees. Uh, mm. And that's a project Bethany brought to us last year. And so we're, we're diving into the middle of that. But that all came from you pointing out your corporate vocation doesn't have to be something that's outside of what you already do. Right, right, right. Well, the, thank you. Gosh. And I do, re I do recall you telling me about that and that's um, quite humbling to hear. And, um, but I'm, I'm heartened by it. I mean, this is what it's all about. And um, you're right. We don't in our effort to help, we don't want to make more work for the people that we're helping <laughs> in air quotes. Um, and this can sometimes be the case. It can be the case sometimes on mission trips. Um, God bless them, you know, when they're going to build a building and local um, contractors and construction folks can often do much quicker work than, you know, a team from, you know, wherever uh, America going to, you know, dig a ditch or build a building, but this is that you're right. So where can we find a place in our supply chain or among our clients um, where there might be uh, an apparent weakness that we can help strengthen. Yeah. Um, and this is what you did. This is what you've done. I'm so happy about this. I mean, that's, that's well, great. It's, it's fun. And I like that you said it almost, you don't have to look for it again. It's kind of similar to looking for the personal vocation. You're not researching or what things can we go do or anything. You just almost like you just shut up and let things that present themselves to you. So like you pointed out, like when you moved on to commercial street, you just, you were there, there were kids coming by your place. Uh, yeah. Like we should help them. <laughs> yes. You know, right. 
And, and imagine, you know, you could almost envision the idea of saying, no, 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 we're too busy as a company trying to figure out how we're going to help people. So we can't really help you right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah, people right. knocking on the windows, trying to get oh, in. Yes, and saying, yes, you know, yes. We're having a uh, meeting right now to talk about how we're going to help the community. We can't yeah. really speak to you. Yes. Oh my gosh. I mean, this happens, right? It happens all the time. It happens all the time. Um, we see it especially happening and or have seen it happen in this past COVID year. Um, um, but you're, you're reminding me of something as you were talking about your corporate vocation. Let me ask you a question. What does people-centric mean? What does that mean? So we really, our vision is to put people at the center of every organization. So the idea is that I think that a lot of organizations have been designed really around processes and the product and the thing that you make. And what we see is that organizations that go back to the people that make the product and the people that use the product are, the, are really where we should focus. And there's a, lot of organ, there's a lot of studies that show when you set up an organizational culture that empowers people, and, and to me, the definition of empower isn't, hey, I'm your manager, so Sean, I'm going to empower you to go do something. That's not my power to give you. To me, empowering is helping you to realize your own potential putting you into a place where you can maximize who you are as a human, but also really align our teams as the other side, aligning, having a clear vision and saying, this is what our purpose is. And everybody who's on board with it, let's go, let's do this. And everybody who's not, thank you, but go, you need to go someplace else. People are happier. Organizations do better. Uh, that's, that's, it's trying to put people back at the center of the organizations. That's what people centric means. Okay. And what is people? What is a person? What is a person? Yeah. I'm not sure where you're going with that. Well, I'm just, what is, what's a person? How do you define person? How do you find a person? Yeah. You know, I, I think that humans as, as us are designed very interestingly, uh, we're, we're flawed. We have biases, we have thoughts, we have passions, we are, we're unique. Uh, you know, one of the things we study is something called self-determination theory, where we, we are very motivated as humans when we work within our strengths, when we have some autonomy, when we have some purpose, uh, I, I think that what's neat about us as humans and people is the potential that we have is really unlimited and we'll never fully realize that potential. But when we work towards it, it's, it's the opportunity to almost create, it, it's an opportunity to almost wake up. Uh, if I got religious about it, I'd say it's, it's kind of a heaven on earth kind of a thing. I think that the okay. people, I meet people who go to their jobs, they do their jobs. I, I, I've got a, a good friend of mine uh, I hope he's listening. I, I, but who told me, you know, I, I don't enjoy my job, but who does, you know, and he's been in his career. He's, he's more than halfway through his career right now. Um, I, I think that's a form of hell uh, mm-hmm. where I'm going to spend a lot of my life doing something that I don't even see value for. And I don't know where that's going. So to me, I, mean, I don't know. I haven't thought about, you know, how you define people. Yeah, I was going to add that. I think that we've also been trying to challenge ourselves on the people side, as far as who who do we mean by people? Do we really mean all people whenever we say people-centric? And I think that's part of that, um, what Don was sharing a little bit about this project that, that I've been working on and Don, we've been working on it together is with second chance employers. And if we're really people-centric, do we really mean all people? And do we really care about getting all people into the center of every organization? And I think that's a big motivator for us and it aligns well with what we do, even though it's different than what we're doing most days. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that. So I think that's awesome. And, and I want to, if you don't mind, um, drill down a little bit further on this notion though, of people, I understand 
the centeredness of this concept. I understand it. Um, and I love how you're asking yourselves the question and encouraging others, do you mean all people? And if so, how, how are they, you know, where is the center? <clears throat> so in, if it's people centric, what's the center? Is it the center of the department of finance in the company? Is it the center of the marketing department? Is it the center of the production department? Is it the center of a team? Is it the center of me? I mean, what is the center? And I also think it's very interesting to ask, not in a flippant way, but what is the person? Are we talking about, is the person the words and thoughts that are manifested in a meeting about what their goals are? Is it something deeper than that? And I would suggest that it's something deeper than that. Yeah. And I would suggest that the definition of a person, um, John O'Donohue, I quote him a lot in the book. He died in 2008, poet, philosopher, Catholic theologian from Ireland. I could listen to him, you know, read the dictionary uh, and it would just, <laughs> I would be entertained for hours. Um, but <clears throat> he believed that our body the physical body inhabits our soul, not the other way around. Most people think that the soul inhabits the body. And he believed and wrote about the soul as almost like this thing that others can't necessarily see that we inhabit, that is that, is, that we are in almost like a bubble or a sphere or a protection or whatever that we inhabit. And so for me, and I believe that too. And for me, when I think about people, to me, the person now on earth is, is seen as we could say mind, body, and soul. And what we really want in this work, you and me, the three of us, what we're really, what we, what we, what we want is we want to find a way to unlock um, the perceived inability to communicate directly to the soul of a person. Yeah. And that sometimes you know, our conditioning, our cultural conditioning, our family conditioning, our friend group conditioning um, gets in the way um, of that communication. And um, so our, our, our thoughts, our words, the images that we perceive, the objective experiences that we have, those are all not the real us. They are not our true nature. Um, so the fact that I, you know, um, want to, you know, buy a new car or that I want to go to Mexico on vacation or I want to go back to Puerto Vallarta, you know, or I'm going to be really depressed if I don't get to go to Puerto Vallarta this year. Sure, that's okay. That's not my true nature. Mm -hmm. yeah. That is not my true nature. And so our true nature is indestructible. Our true nature is comprised of 
love, beauty, truth, peace, and happiness, kindness, joy. That is our true nature. That is impenetrable. It is indestructible. And so I think that the, the challenge and the, the, the creativity that you, know, that you guys are using in this, this second chance is a perfect example of this, which is how do we communicate with others in such a way that their soul says, oh, okay, everything else, get out of the way, move aside, step aside any biases I might have, step aside any prejudgments that I might have, let my soul in here. Yeah. My soul wants to hear this. My mm -hmm. soul wants to give this person a chance. Yeah. I'm not going to listen to what my mind is saying, all the 50 reasons on the um, con list you know, mm -hmm. yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to let my soul have one reason on the pro side and that's going to be enough. So that's why I think this, I love, that's why I absolutely love the name of your company because that is what it's all about. Yeah. It doesn't get any deeper than that. And so, and when you're talking about people centric and you want to get to the center of a person, it is not the physical center. It's the true nature center. It is the soul center of a person. And people are saying, people who are listening are like, oh, that's, don't, you know, that's too much Oprah or Brene Brown or whatever. I'm not going to do that at work. I'll do that at my other group. You know, I'm not going to get that private at work. I am not asking you to, you know, become, you know, a 10 on the vulnerable scale at work. I'm not asking that. What I am asking is that the entire organization have a culture and an environment in which people can expose their weaknesses and not be destroyed, gobbled up, chewed up and spit out for exposing a little bit of their weak side. That's yeah. what I'm asking. Can I interject here really quick, Sean? I love that because I think that that's, I think that that's when we see the, the greatest impact is when we um, and I'm oversimplifying this, but when we connect at a soul level with people, and I think that when, so when we do coaching, whenever I get to do coaching with people, I think it's most impactful whenever we can have that connection of that soul level connection of I'm seeing you as a person and I'm seeing what's going on in your heart and in your mind and all of those things and the struggles that you have and then how they connect to work happens but it might happen as a secondary thing so we might have to start somewhere first before we can get to that work piece because we can get there it is important um but that first piece is i think huge so i love the language that you're using around that yes the other thing i think too is that um the universe will always grant us always you could say you could say God will grant this prayer or the universe will make a way. If we meditate on and think about or pray about our desire to make a way for a person, you know, I, I'm not talking about magic. I'm just saying that the universe wants this to happen, this kind of connection with people. And the universe, I think, will go way out of its way to find a way for us to 
have opportunities to meet people where they are yeah. if we're open to it. You, you know, what's really crazy, Sean, and I, I know you agree with this part is I know that that's true because like you, you mentioned a list of words, you talked about peace and love and hope. And those, are, those aren't words that people typically use at work. Like that's my place of all those things. But what I do know is that the companies where those words are used in companies like yours, they do better. It's not just a, well, it's kind of neat to do this on the side. They actually perform better. That's what, to me, how neat is that? Like that blows me away. So, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm a, my background was engineering. So I, I'm, I've, I've got a little bit of scientist in me. What I, and I've always been confused about the idea of, you know, the science versus religion thing. Because if you look at science and you step back and you just go like, holy cow, the, the, the brilliance of this is unbelievable. Mm -hmm. I don't yes. know where it came from and not to get overly religious here, but I don't know. I don't, it doesn't matter where that came from. Can exactly. we appreciate it? Can yes. we appreciate the art that goes into that? How yes. cool is it that I can go to, if we have a company and everybody just shows up and they just do their job and they go home in, mm -hmm. in their industry, that that company will not perform as well and not be as profitable than the company that does have a purpose that mm -hmm. triggers that soul within us. And then the souls interact with each other and interacts with other people. And what it does is like what you've done with Askinosi chocolate is you've created a business that is feeding thousands of kids, you know, half the world mm -hmm. away that mm -hmm. has, has helped to improve the quality of life, you know, in your community uh, that has helped individuals uh, to be able to, uh, uh, you know, deal with their grief, you know, while it's happening, and then even in, in you know, post event. Uh, and how that that has also that that those haven't been sacrifices for your company. Mm -mm. Um, no, they, they, they help your company. They do, they make us who we are. And I talk about this a lot, which is um, we, you, you could give our chocolate recipe to somebody down the street and give them our beans and say, Here's how we do it. Go make it. And it wouldn't be the same chocolate. Um, and, and, and this is true for your industry. It's your, your company. And th this is not a, a new agey kind of thing. I'm, I'm saying that it's, it's the truth. The people that we are um, absolute, are absolutely connected to the product and service that we deliver. You, they are inextricable. And, then, and always have been. And always have been. I mean, go watch It's a Wonderful Life and tell me that they're not. I mean, they are. Right. And um, so it, Khalil Gibran, my friend again, said, if you bake a bread with indifference, you bake a bitter bread that feeds but half man's hunger. And at Askinosi, we don't, we don't make a bitter bread. You don't bake a bitter bread with the services that you provide. It's, it's, it's a service with care. Same with us, same thing, same thing. Yeah. So I want to encourage everybody to listen. And Sean, I know we're, we're at the top of our hour here together. Uh, first of all, I just want to really thank you so much for spending time. Uh, I, I always value this, you know, I, I, it was probably a couple of years ago, you and I talked and I said, we need to get together just frequently. Cause I just, I get something every time we talk and uh, so I, I, and this is the first time that we've done that since we yes, talked a couple yes. of years ago. So yeah. I'm, I'm kicking myself, like, why have we not done this more? Uh, so I, I just really appreciate your time. Um, well, second you. thing is if you want evidence of what happens when a company acts the way that it is, 
look at what Askinosi Chocolate's doing, get the book Meaningful Work, check out that and you'll see some of the stories on that. But I really encourage, and this isn't just a pitch on this, is I want you to taste the chocolate. Go ahead and get the chocolate, go order some chocolate for yourself. They ship it all over the place. We just shipped it out to Virginia with a, for a client of ours uh, and, they, and they absolutely loved it. You will not only, you will taste the difference, you will feel the difference and you will see the difference and pay attention even to the packaging because the farmers that you talk about, pictures are on the package uh, along with where it's from. And you can read a little bit about their story as you get that. So uh, Sean, thank you so much for being on our podcast. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thanks. Thanks for listening today. The More Than Work podcast is produced by People-Centric Consulting Group, a consulting firm that believes people should be put at the center of every organization. If you have a topic you want our team of experts to address, feel free to contact us at morethanworkpodcast at peopleccg.com. You can also learn more about us by visiting our website at www.peoplecentric.com. Don't forget to like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We will be back next week to give you practical advice that you can use to improve your work. In the meantime, lead well.